Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. Hello, we are back again with one of our Fruit of the Spirit episodes. And we have a new interview on today. Yes, yes. Everyone, welcome Emily Miller. She's with us today. I think we need to insert like cheers and applause. Emily, we've wanted you on for a long time because Uh you're like the wife of a famous podcaster. Oh, gosh. Ooh, bum, bum, bum. No, just kidding. This is Patrick Miller's wife, everyone. Yes. Yes. Emily Miller. There's a lot of Millers, I feel like, around me, obviously. You're a Miller. Oh, I meant to text you and Patrick. Someone the other day, Justin, was at an event last Thursday night. It was like some kind of bank event. And someone heard him talking to someone else about going to the crossing. And the guy walked up and said, hey, dude, are you Patrick Miller's brother? <laughs> and Justin was like, I've never been like so flattered ever that oh someone compared me to Patrick and think we were related. But he's like, hilarious. no, I, I know Patrick. We're friends, but we're not related at all. <laughs> That's so, hilarious. There, there are a lot of Millers around there are here. A lot of Millers. Yeah, so. yes. Okay, but tell us about you, Emily. You're obviously married to Patrick. Sure. Tell us more about your life. I am married to Patrick, which a lot of your listeners may have heard him on 10 Minute Bible Talks. Or Truth Over Tribe. We met at Mizzou, I guess, like 15 years ago, which is kind of crazy. And we've been married for 11 years. We have two kids, Iris, who is six and in first grade, and Oliver, who is three and a half and in preschool. And let's see, I work full time. I work for MU Healthcare, which is a local health system in our city. And I manage projects in design and construction. And then I also do some freelance interior design work as well. Guys, Emily's super fab. She's probably underselling it a little bit. If you don't know her, she's like always in very classy clothes and their home is beautiful. Yeah, you just have a very... I like... At this age in our life, I think people are getting a little bit more into their personal style and figuring out like what their style is. I was actually talking about that with a group of girls last night because in your 20s or in college, usually the people that you're around, you're dressing really similarly to. And I guess in our little friend group, like a lot of us have really distinct styles. For sure, they overlap and mesh. But I think of you in that way is like I can picture your style and you really like do it well. And so I love that. I feel like you're very established, like you know yourself well. Oh, yeah. okay. In yeah. that way. Would you <laughs> well, say Well, I am in the process of majorly purging stuff from okay. my home. This is I've embarrassing been the recipient to admit. of a lot of things oh, that that's you have true. purged. But we just got a dumpster and we, For filled, the front of your we house. filled that sucker up. I hired college junks. <laughs> yeah. I hired college junks to come to my house, which, or no, college hunks hauling junk <laughs> to come a few weeks ago. That is an actual business name. Justin I have seen rolled truck up driving and was around. like, who are the hunks? Like, let me come see these hunks. And they, <laughs> oh my gosh. In my opinion, weren't that hunky, but like, I relate. It yes. felt so good. Like, take it off. Yes. So I'm dropping stuff off on porches. I'm dropping stuff off in dumpsters. That's I'm going hilarious. to Goodwill. So I feel like I am in a place of really fine tuning my closet of only things I love. And I definitely would not say I'm a fashionista, but. I guess I kind of figuring out what I like. Great fashion. And what's comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And what fits your lifestyle. Do you feel like you're going through this decluttering period for any deeper reason or you just like couldn't handle the junk anymore? I think it started with not handling the junk and knowing we're done having kids. And so most of my basement was full of kid stuff and just feeling like all of this stuff and clutter 
it takes work to manage it. I don't want this as part of my life anymore. And then it kind of grew into a conviction of less is more and I need to stop buying. Why am I buying things? What's the purpose behind it? Do I need these things? When you fill up a dumpster, <laughs> you kind of are forced to question that. Yeah. And then your house still feels, I'm still sure your house, full. it's not like you yes. throw away everything you own. Actually, I have shoes for Emerson in my car, so yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, we're all getting the benefit of Emily's. <laughs> Literally, she's um, like, cutter. do you want a winter coat? I'm like, yeah, I want a winter coat. She's like, yeah. do you want snow <laughs> pants? I'm like, yes, I want snow pants. <laughs> great, for sure. great. So anyways. I got a full box of diapers on my doorstop the other day. I was like, Spacing. and I texted oh, yeah. her, I was like, this is such a gift. I didn't even buy diapers and I have a brand new box. <laughs> that's great. It's amazing. <laughs> well, okay, I love that. I get in random spurts where I like need to get rid of everything I own and just start yes. fresh. So. Yeah, yes. feels that's good. amazing. Yeah, feels but we brought you on today to talk about faithfulness. Yes. And so would you just kind of start there, obviously, in our Fruit of the Spirit series. And this is one that we were excited to talk about because it's one of those things, obviously, we see from Jesus. But then as followers of Him, we get the opportunity to work on displaying that in our own lives, too. And so it kind of is this like complex thing of like, how do we do that? Because we obviously know we're fallen people. We can never probably do that perfectly. But how does the Bible describe faithfulness? What do we see in the Bible of like, how is that defined and shown there? So I was talking through preparing for this and talking with Patrick, and he pointed out that the Greek word for faithfulness is related to the English word allegiance, which I think is pretty special. So to be someone's ally, to be on someone's team, to root for someone, to root for their good. And I think the Bible also describes faithfulness as it's not just loyalty, but it's unconditional loyalty. I think Romans 5.8 is a really good example of that. It doesn't actually say the word faithfulness, but it says God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think you can replace love with faithfulness. So God showed his faithfulness for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is unconditional loyalty and that is allegiance when it's undeserved. And so I think that's a helpful example of biblical faithfulness. I love that, too, because when I hear allegiance, it reminds me of like allies in war. I don't know why I think about that. Yeah. But that's what I think of first, because when you hear of countries who have allies, we hear about that all the time. But the countries may think a little bit differently on things. They may have kind of different stances on some stuff, but they are for the other country. And when the other country is like fighting for something, they are saying like, no, we're backing what they are because we've had a lot of conversation about it. We know what their intent is. We know why they want to fight for this thing or this freedom or whatever. And so they're like, no, we're going to support you and everything we have to make sure you win what you think is best for you. Yes. And I think that's a really cool thing because yeah. I think there's like so many pictures there of ways that we can support people when we're like, we want to put ourselves in your shoe and we want to be faithful to helping support you in the best ways and all the ways that we can. I think faithfulness is interesting to me because I would say in the last five years, it would probably be the most persistent characteristic of God that I've really like reflected on or just like needed to think about because it's so interesting in your faith journey or just in life in general. I really think it's one of those things that faithfulness wrapped with remembering. So it's like, reflecting back on the past, like when you're in a difficult time, being able to say, okay, everything feels out of control and it doesn't feel like God's going to show up. But when you're able to remember back to the ways that he's been faithful in the past, that's really kind of like the springboard of how you can have hope that you will get through even in the really dark days, even if you're not feeling that in the moment, you know, he'll be faithful. And so I think if we can take like an ounce of that and apply that to relationships in our lives, everything could just flourish more in that way. 
What examples, like how do we see God? Obviously, again, we've recognized like we're not going to be perfectly faithful people, that we are broken people. We can't do that. So obviously with all of the fruit, the best example to look to is God himself and Jesus in the Bible. So like what do we see in the Bible itself, how where God is expressing faithfulness and like reflecting that? What are those characteristics of faithfulness if we're going to try to exemplify those things? Honestly, I think the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15 is a helpful example of God's faithfulness to us and man's lack of faithfulness or our struggle with faithfulness. So I'll just kind of briefly summarize it and then I'll read some of the passage. But it starts out with two sons, two brothers, and the father, the dad. The younger son goes to his dad and basically demands his inheritance, his portion early. I want it now. Give me what you owe me and I'm leaving. And so the father does so. He gives him his portion. The younger son leaves and he makes a lot of big mistakes. He squanders the money. He is alone. He is hungry. He's at his lowest of lows. And he gets to this point of realizing, I need to go back home. I need to go back to my dad. And I need to say, I'm sorry. I need to ask for forgiveness. And I'm hoping that he takes me back. And so kind of fast forward to verse 20 of Luke 15. So the son, he's walking home. He's walking towards his father's house. And in verse 20, so this is from the perspective of the dad. So it says, but while he, so the younger son, was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son, my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. And so the story continues and it starts to focus on the older brother. He's honestly mad. He is bitter at his brother. He's probably been bitter and angry for however long since his brother originally even asked for the early inheritance. And he is not about to show any faithfulness to his brother. He's frustrated and he's starting to compare. He's comparing how his father's treated the younger brother to himself. And so in 28, it says, but he, the older brother, he was angry. He refused to go in, to go into this party. Goes to the father and he says, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. And then in verse 31, the father says, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he's found. And I think this story, it's helpful to communicate faithfulness because it kind of goes through elements of faithfulness. The first element being faithfulness is often seen or found or given or received in really desperate times. If you can think of the lowest of lows in your life, you can probably think of either how God was faithful to you or how someone in your life showed up and they were faithful. And I think too, it shows that God's faithfulness is unconditional and it's unplanned. This father had plenty of reasons not to welcome his son back. And it's not like he knew, okay, my son's going to come back at this time, on this date. I'm going to plan the party. It's going to be perfect. I'm going to feel in control of the situation. He didn't. He just showed up. And the father still was like, all right, I'm dropping everything. And I'm going to give my son what he needs. And that's love. 
and faithfulness. And I think, too, it shows that God's faithfulness, it's lasting. It's not a one and done. It's not a, oh, I dropped off the meal and check, done. It's, no, he says to the older son, son, you are always with me. It's not just this one party. I've been with you this whole time. I'm not leaving. And that's, I think, the biggest difference with godly faithfulness versus manly faithfulness. Because the reality is we can think of people in our lives, and I know we all have a long list who have shown us extreme faithfulness and loyalty, but they've also let us down. It's never perfect. And that's the difference with the Father in the story and with God. He is always with us, and He promises that. That story, every time I hear it, whatever someone's kind of pointing out when they use it as an example in preaching or just teaching through it, I so feel that brother, and I so relate to that brother, because you want to be like, it almost feels, even as the reader and the listener, like it's unjust, because it's like, are you kidding me? This other son just served you all these years, but I think it's so extreme in the way that God is trying to show us. Like, no, that's how extreme my love and faithfulness. And it is funny, those words, love and faithfulness, how you kind of started off using those interchangeably in that verse. They really fit together because you can't be faithful unless you have this crazy love and then vice versa. But yeah, the love requires faithfulness to kind of show that. And so I don't know. That's just a side note. I'm always feeling for the brother because I relate to him so much. I'm like, I would be the brother. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. It's like super I am the brother. Yeah. yeah. I think it's so good, though, too, even as we study all of these fruit, it's convicting for me to even hear you talk about like faithfulness is unplanned. I love these characters of God that we get the opportunity to be a part of because we're his. That like even in those verses when the older son is saying the father says to him, all I have is yours. Yes, it's unplanned, but like he has no option to be anything other than faithful. That is who he is because he wants his children to be in relationship with him. And I think that's just like the beautiful picture. I mean, as you hear these stories, I think it's so good the part you said of people have been faithful to us. Like we could all probably think about people who have been faithful. But I want to talk to the person like if you have had really crummy relationships, if you had had really like unfaithful things happen to you, one, I'm sorry, but also I want us to be people who first and foremost define faithfulness by who God is because we will always be failed by people. I mean, I love that because that's what the story is talking about. People will fail, but God is still faithful. And so like we have to define faithfulness by him first and then we get to see and we have the opportunity to get to see faithfulness in our lives. Definitely. With three people. One more thing I wanted to point out that I was just noticing as you were sharing that story is that, like you mentioned, we usually think about faithfulness in the really hard times or in the like really happy times in life. So like either those highs or lows. And I love that. Again, going back to another example of the brother, he's saying, well, faithful can look like the really dramatic entering back into our lives and coming back to our family. And it also can look like that day to day, like the more mundane things. And I think about that a lot in marriage because you hear faithfulness applied to marriage and relationships like either spouses being unfaithful or thinking about, okay, for years and years and years, yes, there's going to be high points and there's going to be times where you're like, wow, you're so faithful to me and loving me this way. But there's also so much faithfulness shown just in the day-to-day task of, wow, you're so faithful in the way that you consistently just serve our family by taking out the trash. Or even if you don't do that perfectly, like you're just so faithful to show up for your family every day, whatever it might be in your marriage or in any relationship. But I like that too. It's like we often forget that God is faithful to us in the fact that we get a new day to start over. And we just don't reflect on that very much. I love that. And it takes it back to, I feel like we're going back and forth, but I love the part that you talked about remembrance of like, if we don't know 
what faithfulness looks like through God and through like a perfect human and Jesus, then faithfulness here on earth won't mean anything to us. And so I think that's so good. We have to be people who, I mean, we preach this all the time, but like in God's word and reading it, because if we don't know what that looks like, there's nothing to remember on. A big part of that is like remembering what Christ has done already. That yes, a new day is a gift in his faithfulness. Okay, so share with us. We've now discussed there's definitely times where we see faithfulness and where it's harder to see it. But what are some times that you found it easier to walk in faithfulness? And what are some more challenging times in your life? I mean, it's easy when it's reciprocated. It's easy to show up and be faithful to friendships where you know they're going to do the same back to you. And it's hard when it's someone that you maybe don't think will reciprocate it. Maybe a good example of that in this season of life is my kids. And this summer, we took a trip to Colorado, just the four of us, and it was wonderful. It was our first family trip, just us, with no intention of meeting up with friends. And it was really special. And God really convicted me that I need to be more intentional with my time with my kids and I need to be more faithful to them and their needs in that way. And so coming home from that and looking into the fall, and I think we're all kind of exiting this COVID pandemic. And I don't know if you guys feel this way, but it's like this new excitement to meet with friends and hang out because the restrictions are gone and people feel safe. It's a wonderful problem to have of, I want to get dinner with this person. We need to go on a date with this couple and let's plan a party for these friends, which are wonderful things. But it just convicted me that I was not being considerate of what my kids needed and I wasn't carving time for them. I wasn't being loyal to them. It's hard to say no to plans if someone invites you and it's hard to choose the pizza and movie night over a date night, but it's important. And so I think I'm just in a season where I, in some ways, in preparing even for this, felt like an imposter because I can name so many friends that I feel like I've maybe let down or just haven't showed up in the way that I used to. And in some ways, it's because I've just realized I need to be more faithful to my kids. And so it's been wonderful and beautiful. And I feel so blessed that I like tonight we're going to do pizza and a movie and I'm really excited about it. But in some ways, I've had to really just try not to be selfish and consider their needs and what would be relaxing to them over a weekend versus myself. I remember you shared this with me more like in our personal relationship, and it kind of put words to how I had been feeling for the last year or so that Justin... I guess in your early 20s and when you have babies, it's honestly easier. I guess in my experience, it's always easier to leave a baby, even though it hurts the first few times. They don't really recognize as much of what's going on or, you know, when a sweet babysitter is loving on my baby, they're enjoying that, you know, whereas you have Iris, who's a little bit older than my daughter, but I'm kind of getting into that stage where it's like, you just see that those conversations that you get to have with them in those moments they're only able to happen when you give room for them to happen. And so when you're just like have this lazy night or this more spread out afternoon and not rushed into the next thing or having to squeeze in time with them because the babysitter is about to get there and you're going out for the night or whatever, 
And I was realizing like, I want that. And like, that needs to be my higher priority over friendships and this and that. And you know, it's interesting, like looking back, I've talked a lot with my parents about this because they had four kids and Justin and I do a lot as a social life. And I know my parents had really great friends growing up, but like they were with us kids on the weekends. We just spent time as a family and there's time. My parents were just with friends at a cabin weekend last weekend. They're empty nesters now and there's time and seasons for that. And I'm not saying that we can't go out and do stuff with other couples or our friends, but I think as our kids get older, even Christian and I and our friend group, we're realizing it's harder to leave your elementary age kids because you crave that time with them. And it's just so quick. And it's really what we're called to put first, but our culture doesn't really value that anymore. For you to say to maybe a non-believer, like, I have to be selfless and just like really give my time to my friends. I think the culture would be like, but you need time for you to go out and make sure leave your kids at home. And I just don't think there's as much value in that anymore. So I love that you're kind of saying that and that you've realized that and been able, I've seen you all summer and into the fall, put that into practice. And it's been really cool to watch. I'm still working on it. Well, it's inspiring. Aren't we all? I mean, I think it's inspiring, though, even as you talk through that, though, because I do think even as you recognize, oh, I'm convicted that I need to show more faithfulness in my relationship with my kids. You are also a wife and you're an employee and you work full time and you have a lot of other roles. You're a friend and a mentor and like all these things. What do you think then is the balance between navigating what faithfulness looks like and all these identities that like God has blessed you with. He has given you a job. He has given you a husband. He has given you these children. So you have a lot of different areas that you have to be faithful, but then you're also a human. What does that look like or how do you think through that? No, I think that's a good question. Honestly, a word that I've used a lot since becoming a mom is capacity. And not that that only relates to motherhood, but I think you have to know your capacity and you have to know your limits. And I think You have to be very careful with how you define that because we look at Jesus and he had 12 disciples and he was close to three of them. He didn't have a million best friends. And so the reality is you're not going to have a lot of best friends. You're not going to know the depths of a lot of people's hearts. And I think you have to acknowledge that and not necessarily define these are my friends and these are the only people I'm going to care about in my life. But I think I'm in a stage where my husband and my children are my top priorities. And I also have to consider my job. And then I have to consider the close friends that God's placed in my life, also my extended family. But I think when we think through, you know, maybe you just write down a list. These are the people that I need to consistently check in on, invite into my life, spend time with, and just thoughtfully consider who are the other people that maybe fall a little bit outside of that circle. But I think we often define that circle by people who are easy to be around. And I definitely do that. And the world, now this is maybe a sensitive word, but toxic people is like a term that's just used too much, in my opinion. The reality is an overtired toddler could be defined as toxic, For right? For sure. Emerson this morning told me that oh. I'm not in charge of her. God is. <laughs> no, That's she goes, toxic. Your quote was, mommy, well, actually, you're not in charge of me because God is. Yeah. And I'm like, well, God commanded that I be in charge of you. So let me throw some scripture back at For you. sure. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. That's toxic. I yes, could, if that was yes. like a friend saying something like that to me, I'd be like, okay, you're out of my life. You're toxic. Yes. Or, I mean, I can think of ways that I have, 
I mean, even on the way here, I was frantically trying to get here. I'd taken the kids to the eye doctor. I was stressed. I was texting with Patrick and I was not kind to him. I had to apologize when I got here. And I would say that's probably, (laughs) I wouldn't want to be around me. Like that's probably a toxic friend. I say all that with the caveat, there are toxic relationships that are not safe to be around. I think we know that. I think we just very, maybe too easily define inconvenient or hard as toxic. And I don't think that's the case. And so I think we have to be very thoughtful in that. And so, yeah, I think defining your capacity is important, but also being very thoughtful about, am I just choosing to be around people that are easy and fun and comfortable? Or am I seeking out people that maybe need something from me that aren't ever going to give it back? Because you might not always be the easy and fun person for other people to be around. And you still want and need them to love you and welcome you in. Just God might have put that other hard person in your life to do the same for. For sure. It's hard, though. It's a balance. I love this, too, though, because it takes me back to our conversation that we had when talking about kindness. Because we talked about, I mean, I think Paul, obviously, and like God is inspired through scripture, inspires these people to write these things in this way that you can't have one fruit without having the other. And I think that's so true because even as we have this conversation about faithfulness, it's bringing up stuff about our kindness conversation when we said that it's easy to be kind to people you like. Isn't it easy to extend all of these fruits to people that you like? Well, that feels easy. You can love people you like. But I think then we're challenged in the ways, oh yeah, when I am overtired, when I am too spent, when I am, can I be faithful in marriage? Or can I be faithful to my children and slowing down? Because I can tell I'm getting irritable. I'm getting sharp. I'm getting rude because I'm pushing myself too hard, which I think is so good that you've like taken recon of that. And God's kind of challenging you in that. Yeah, because I think the relationships that are in your life every single day. So for us, it's our spouses and our children. Those are the hardest to be faithful to. It's hardest to be faithful in just the mundane moments. That's good. So what does faithfulness look like for you lived out? We've kind of touched on some examples, but if you want to go into more detail about certain things. I think that there are ways to be faithful in the moment, and then there's ways to be faithful for the long haul. And I think some just practical ways in the moment could be dropping off a meal to someone that can be extremely helpful and supportive. If someone's going through a hard time, bringing someone flowers, it might be instead of running errands during your lunch break, going on a walk with a friend, inviting families over, even though you know it's not going to be a chill night and your house is going to be a wreck. I think it's getting lunch or dinner with girlfriends. And instead of just talking about the fun, light things, asking hard questions, asking them about their marriage, asking them about their parenting, asking about their kids and following up and praying for their kids, having their kids over and getting to know their kids. Maybe it's it means saving less so that you can show extravagant hospitality. And the prodigal son, I'm sure that party was expensive. And I think there are ways to, not that every time you have people over, it needs to be a steak dinner, even though Patrick would prefer that. If you come to your house, it's for sure going to be something on the grill. Yeah, it's going to be something on the grill, on the Blackstone. We have a million grills now. so (laughs) You have your like deck for grills and then you have your deck for sitting. You really do have so many grills. Like Justin wants to keep getting grills and I'm like, we don't have the Millers, like multi-level deck. We can't fit all the grills. No one needs what we have. (laughs) 
No, I <laughs> Sorry, I, we sidetracked. Yeah, oh, maybe we should challenge Patrick down to a capsule grill situation because he's like done the capsule wardrobe thing. Like, do you really need one of each one of these? It's a okay. problem. Yeah, we digress. Sorry, yeah. joy to us all who <laughs> like steak. Yes, it does. It's a blessing to all, unless your deck is full of grills. But <laughs> yeah, so I think this is a really hard one for me. But faithfulness might mean not stacking your schedule so you have room for spontaneous faithfulness. We had a really scary emergency with Oliver last summer, and it was a medical emergency. It was really terrifying. And in the moment, we texted some friends quickly, called 911. We literally ran down the street to our neighbors who are doctors, busted in their door. They helped Oliver and which unplanned. I think they were having a dinner party. And honestly, I was so frazzled. Like, I don't think I ever even asked them, like, were you having a party when I just ran into your house with my son who was very sick? But we had a friend that came over, dropped everything, came over, picked up Iris. I mean, last night, Patrick and I were just talking through that story. And he goes, I don't even know how she showed up. I don't even know how she got there. But she did. She stopped everything and came. My parents stopped everything. They drove to St. Louis. They stayed with us. They stayed with Iris while we were in the hospital with Oliver. I think about if our schedules are so tight and so rigid, do we have space to bless others in that way and to show up? That's a hard one for me because I want my weekend to be stacked. I want, I mean, I've actually grown to a place where I hate having stuff on weeknights. So that's a little bit different. Every weeknight should be free, unplanned. But I think it is important to not try to schedule every moment of our lives because I think we do need space for just to spontaneously help someone and drop everything. I was recognizing that a few years ago. I might have even talked about that on the podcast that like I didn't have space in my calendar when my mother-in-law would text me and to ask if I wanted to take an hour to drive around and go get a coffee and just chat in the car or to run to do a target pickup with Christian. Like everything was so scheduled out back to back. And I was miserable. And it was like good things in my schedule, like fun things. But I was like having to say no to a lot of things that I wanted to enjoy. Or we'd get home from something and Emerson would ask if I wanted to go like the other day, like run in the leaves. And I was like, yeah, let's go outside. I had planned in my head that I would go get dinner started. But I'm like, we don't have anything tonight. There is no strict schedule. I can go walk around and crunch up these leaves with my four-year-old because it's fun. And that's what life is about. And there's so much freedom in that. In fact, I'm like, we need to make that a coffee mug. What did you say about like the exact quote, leaving space in your calendar for the spontaneous things like that is so foreign. That is so foreign to our culture right now. I think, too, in a culture that is so quick to speak, so quick to just like act off of whatever is happening and packing our schedules and doing all the things and thinking through all the things. I think a lot. I mean, we I know I've talked to you, too, about this is like I think part of me working on drawing back my social life and trying to do less is part of just like the mental game. And how when you look at the Bible and you look at how Jesus lived, he did live so quietly. And because he was probably in prayer a lot, he was probably thinking a lot. He was probably seeking wisdom a lot from God in certain situations. And I'm like, gosh, wouldn't we probably be all of these fruit by 100 if we actually spent more time? Because as we talk about our schedules, I'm like, it's my brain space. It's not even necessarily my time, but I need to learn how to be faithful in my headspace. Am I giving time to think through how I'm going to like bring that hard thing up with that friend? Or am I giving time to thinking through like, how am I going to like talk to my husband about how he hurt me instead of being like really curt and rude? Or like with my kids, I'm like, how am I going to make time for that? And so I think it even goes into not even my physical time, but my mental space. 
all of those ways that I'm like, we have a lot of things that we have to steward well. And are we really making space for that? It's hard. Yeah, I think what we put on our schedule and what we say yes to, it does connect to faithfulness. I've thought about if I take on side work, that not always, but often means less time with Patrick because I do it after bedtime. And so that's a cost to our marriage. There are seasons where I've had to say, I can't do that project because that means I'm not going to get to connect with him maybe for a week or two weeks because I'm working on stuff, which is not fair to him. I think having a stacked schedule makes us feel good. Sometimes it makes us feel important and popular, needed. Absolutely. And there are seasons where I think that's okay, but I think for the most part, it's nice to have margin. And I was just thinking about this too when you were talking about, I know it's true, Christian, how we're just having kind of similar conversations and just the way that I like need that time now more than ever to kind of wind down at night with Justin. It's like in the moment, giving up those two weeks and here and there, fine. It's not making a huge forever impact, but it's almost like those small acts of faithful things that really build up into something really fruitful. And it's also the opposite that like the lack of that, you could get a few years down the road and realize you feel really disconnected to your husband because you can look back and say, it's not like the big things like, sure, we took like big trips every once in a while or whatever, but it's those small daily things that really account for something in the end. And then not to really jump back, but kind of. So with Jesus, I was also thinking about this when you were talking. I've never pondered this, like sat and thought about it. Jesus had one main goal, one main plan to serve and love and lead people to his father and him ultimately. But there's not really much talk in scripture about his schedule or his day-to-day plans. He literally went where there was a need and like where he was led to and called to. And he so often would have been fishing or walking through a village and get pulled off to meet someone's needs. And he had the margin to do that. And sure, he still got to have plans. I mean, we hear him reclining at dinners with his friends and enjoying life and enjoying going out and fishing. But he always just had this flexibility about him that was like, nothing in my life is so important that I couldn't drop it to come and perform a miracle or save this child or whatever it was. I'm like, I've never thought about that. He didn't have structured days. He didn't have a home. He didn't have anything foundational. And I think that's where we get a lot of our comfort nowadays. And it's just like, it's probably just false in the end. It's so good. If you guys listen to our peace episode, it's also reminding me of when Gayla was talking about, and you mentioned the same thing, which I'm like, God, just weaving it all through together. But even when we were brainstorming about faithfulness, you talked about, obviously, there's faithfulness vertically with us and God and our relationship with Him and how we're faithful to steward that well, grow with Him, spend time with Him, abide, as we've been talking about so many times in this series. But then there's also like a horizontal faithfulness, which we've obviously covered a lot today. And it was just that picture of Gayla described it as when she had a friend lose her husband very abruptly. And that picture of like, no, there is, we only are allowed to be faithful or we only get the opportunity to practice faithfulness because God is faithful to us and just really stewarding that well and spending time because none of us are going to do this well apart from learning from the best and the one who did it perfectly. We will fail. People will fail us. And I think it's just a good thing to think about because I'm sure we're all kind of stirring on when his faithfulness looked really good and has that been sweet and fun and when his faithfulness been really hard or just not easy. Emily, this has been so good. I love all your like practical examples and you're so just so wise. wise. You're one oh, of those people goodness. that just to me, I don't know, you just like have this easy way about the way you talk and share things. You're not 
coming in hot with these heavy why statements. You're just so, it's just like who you are, like you're personally growing. And I know that doing a podcast or something is like more Patrick's thing. And I know you kind of are just more (laughs) behind the scenes in the way that you meet with girls and like love on your friends and people in your life. So we really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Bye.